you know, I appreciate this conversation. It has nothing to do with anything that we talk about, but people say all the time, like, who's your favorite kid? I'm like, well, ask me, you know, on what day, you know, they're growing up. Sometimes I liked that one and I did not like that one. And then, you know, it always shifted. So, you know, it's very difficult. You can't pick a favorite kid, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's day by day assessment. It's true. I feel that. I, I feel there's that. A there's a leadership lesson there, Kinsey. I really yeah. think all the bunny stuff, right? You, you know, you I was are so right. one time as a chief and, and somebody said, Hey, I, I was told you play favorites. And I said, hell yeah, I do. I think we're people with positive attitudes that want to learn, that take initiative, that really give a shit. Of course I play favorites. And favorites are different with every interaction, with every project, with every call for services. Like you're my favorite in this moment. Right. Yes, exactly. And not only that, but the other leadership lesson there is, you know, about, you know, treating people exactly the same. And that's not possible when it comes to humans, you know, and especially when you look at, you know, your kids and if you can, you know, use that as a parallel, you know, like I could look at my daughter and and to discipline her and she would just start crying. I would have to do is look at her, you know, and and my son, you know, totally different. So same with, you know, with with all of us, we're all different human beings. The hollow buddy. And we all feel hollow sometimes. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. I am Kristen Zeman, and I am here with my co host, the uh, very full bunny, Sylvia Moyer. Uh, we are both former police chiefs, but as y'all know, this Hollow Bunny podcast is not just for cops. It's for anyone who has an interest in talking about life and leadership, and particularly the lessons that we have learned about both. And those lessons that we have learned fill up our Hollow Bunnies, metaphorically, of course. But we are getting close to Easter, so not, maybe we could just like go with literal Hollow Bunnies, you know? Solid. Whatever. I don't know. Right. There's people are going to listen to this con this uh, podcast. They're going to listen to this and they're going to see hollow bunnies everywhere. It's yeah. going to bring them right back here, Kristen. They're going to tune in. They're going to say, okay, I need to fill my bunny. They're going to yeah. be reminded through this season of this podcast. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you and I were just at, in LA. We were talking to the, uh, Los Angeles Women's Police Officers Association. And wow, that was really cool to be on stage together. Ooh. And yes, the energy was so palpable. Uh, amazing. 800 women attended that conference. And amazing. dudes. And dudes. dudes. A sprinkling. Sprinkling, uh, a sprinkling of dudes. It sprinkles. Was yes. Sprinkles of men were there and they were absolutely wonderful. And, you know, we talked about uh, being in the driver's seat of our own careers. And then that made us think about how you and I obviously are Thelma and Louise. Um, without, so, without driving off the cliff. Yeah, so sure. I admit I didn't think that through. Um, yeah, we Photoshopped our faces as Thelma and Louise on the introductory slide. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me that Thelma and Louise drove off the cliff together. So um, yeah, didn't think that through. Yeah, but it, it was powerful. 
for this. <laughs> We were old enough to remember the damn movie, too. Yeah, that was the other epiphany. Man, talk about fails on so many levels. Number one, they drove off a cliff. Number two, the I forget that, you know, were of the older generation persuasion, uh, the more uh, seasoned, is, if you will, um, in our in our fifth decade. And the younger individuals in the audience there have no idea who Thelma and Louise is. So that was just that was I'll call that an epic fail. <laughs> it wasn't an epic fail. <laughs> It was a slight little ta-ting, ta-dun-dun, like, okay, okay. Yeah. on. And yeah. then we brought it. I, I think there are several things we want to talk about. So yes. for, for all of our listeners, uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to have some really cool guests that you'll want to tune in for, right, Kristen? Let's not tell them who they are. But we're going to have some super guests that are going to churn on some things, bite into some things, and provide you with some some stuff to really think about, marinate on, chew on, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, so we're also going to talk briefly about what is it like when you bring um, the two of us to the stage together uh, and a few things that we talked about. You're going to just really dive into one. I'm going to dive into one. And then we're going to have some convo. Yeah, and for sure. For those people that weren't there, because it was a it was a really great time to get some people nudged into some thinking about some things and taking some action on their own behalf. For those of you that weren't there, we'll give you a light look into some uh, things that we kind of highlighted. Does yeah, that sound- that's I think that sounds great. And sharing the stage with you was amazing. And uh, I I delving right in, we looked at the the theme of the conference, which is own your tomorrow. And I love that so much. It resonated with both of us. And that's really what prompted us to think about, uh, which quite frankly, is the number one thing people ask me, you know, is, you know, what can I do in my career um, to help me, you know, move forward? And I always say, you are responsible for your own career. You are in the driver's seat of your own career. And that's how we kicked it off was about personal choice. And I think sometimes we get into the mindset of, uh, let's just call it what it is. It's victimization, uh, where we are a victim of things that maybe um, have happened to us, uh, whether they are fair or not, or maybe perceived to be uh, by us in our careers. Maybe we didn't get that position we put in for. Maybe we were overlooked for the promotion. Um, you name it, something that happened to us, right, in a negative way. And we recognize that we have a choice in how we show up and how we deal with perhaps that roadblock or that failure. And that to me is the greatest of human freedoms. And we talked have talked so much in the past on this podcast about Viktor Frankl and the greatest of human freedoms is to choose our responses in, in any situation. And it is in that response lies our growth and freedom. And that's how we kicked it off is that we don't have to live in that learned helplessness is that even if something bad has happened, we can look at it and we can say, okay, good right? I didn't get that thing. I failed here. So what does that mean? That means I've got to drill down deeper inside of me and I've got to do better next time. And so that was a great place to kick it off about uh, learned helplessness and learning and training are your own responsibility, right? That's why you're in the driver's seat, right? You bet, Louise. (laughs) Which one's which, but I don't either. 
Okay, but you and you and driving pow. Uh, here's the deal with that. Some of our listeners are going to say, okay, so I've had some setbacks, I've had some failures, and what we're saying is we have an opportunity to shift between stimulus and responsible choice, right? And the victimization is this churning kind of cesspool of doom that will bring you down. What we're arguing is that an offering for consideration is that we too have been there. We too have failed. Our approach, my approach early on was to have a full pity party. Poor me, this sucks, throw my sucker in the dirt, stomp off the playground. Everything's terrible. And it lasted for a few days. And then as my failures became innumerable uh, <laughs> over and over and over, as I sucked at something, as something didn't go as planned, as I didn't achieve what I decided wanted to achieve, they became more brief. And then I created an adaptation to the failure. And we've talked about that. You always, the coolest thing that you say, well, you say millions of cool things, but I'll take in my top 10 of cool Kristen Zeman sayings that are actionable is I want to suck at something new. So you have approached the grit, the courage, the just trying something in a way that's like, hey, I might suck at this, but I'm going to dive in and see what I could do about it. Here's the big things that came out of it. We can, in our own failures, do something so we are not victims. It is fuel for us. And then as leaders, how do we get our folks that are in our sphere of influence to recognize failures as, as fuel as well? Yeah, that's right. And that there are action items. These aren't just words. Is you know, there are action items to, to that we can truly drive change forward in our own careers. And those action items are taking responsibility for your own learning and your own training. Uh, I know that you have had times where you were denied training and you paid for it on your own dime to go. Yep. And it doesn't even have to be you know, yep. like that. You can still pick up a book and a, a podcast, listen to a leadership podcast, do something that adds to your learning and your training because that is your responsibility. And the one thing that I have learned is the more that you build your skills and your competency is the more that they can't ignore you. And that's where you come to a certain place in time. And now that is not competition against anyone else. That probably, if I had to give one piece of advice to anyone listening in the world who's trying to achieve something, I would say, don't compete against other people. And yet that's our nature is the competition. You know, we see a position, there are other people vying for it. And so we automatically go into that competitive nature when that doesn't serve us well. And there is just such a great story, you know, of yeah. Olympians that are, are headed towards the goal and they're looking forward and not looking at their competition on either side of them. And that's the, the yeah. point here, you know, and so you build your skill, your competency, and you become better, you know, the, this version of you right now, your circa 2023 self, the 2024 versions should be better. So there's the competition. And then once you start doing that and collecting, you know, training and competency and the skills and ability, you're going to be so good that they can't ignore you. Uh, listen, Hollow Bunny podcasters, I think our producer, the uh, very sexy and talented Ted Madden just fell on the floor because this just happened. Did, did you notice that Kristen Zeman just made a sports analogy? 
Write that down. There he is, everyone. If you're watching this, you get to see that face. (laughs) All you have to do is subscribe and like to see that. You know what? uh, What's nice here is I've got the option because I edit this to cut all of this out. (laughs) He's got the (laughs) ultimate power. Savage man. Our people need you. So clip 10. Is going to okay. So here's the deal: what you offered is something super amazing. Two things from my mama that are leadership lessons. One is you quoted Theodore Roosevelt, who said, "Comparison is the thief of joy." Mm. Right? And you're talking about competition. I also think comparison is has to be considered in this. So for leaders, for people that are trying to fill their bunny, think about this: comparison is the thief of joy. And what comes up for you? as you consider that. To compare myself with Kristen Zeman mm-hmm. would be an act of futility. Why would I do that? She has incredible strengths, incredible gifts that I don't have. And that would imprint on me then, perhaps, to feel less than. But mm-hmm. no, I say, you go fly your freaky flag. You go do you the way you do it because you are perfect and amazing just as you are. I'll never be you. But I'm not going to compare. I'm going to be lifted up and and synchronized with what makes you amazing, right? Well, so yeah. that's another. And thing. you know what? I'm gonna I'm going to grab the leadership lesson out of that as well. And I appreciate your kind words. And here is what I would say to that: is that every single one of us has unique skills and ability. And so the idea for for me and building a leadership team, building people around you. Uh, yes. that it, it's it's a mosaic, right? It's a, you have so many different skills and talents that I have and, and all of the people that we choose to surround ourselves with should have different skills and abilities. And then you put us all together and that mosaic turns into such a beautiful picture. But the problem that we, what we really have to fight is that innate um, it, it's it's innate in us to want to bring people around us that think like us. And that is a problem. If you want to elevate your leadership, if you want to elevate your organization, the key is to bring people in that think differently than you do, that make you think about your own position, right? That's how you elevate an organization, not by just, you know, mimicking, you know, your own likeness and, you know, yes men, right? Yeah, that's one of the ways. And think about this. In the hallway at the Los Angeles Women's Peace Officers Association Conference, a woman grabbed me and said, what you and Chief Zeman just talked about resonated with me in the way that I have some of my mentors telling me I need to dress a certain way um, and not in the way she was describing to elevate one's kind of presence, right? Because I think there's room for us to say, let's elevate our presence and and perhaps, you know, zhuzh it up. I don't know. She was being told, don't wear certain colors. Don't wear this. Don't wear that. And it was her natural self. She was wearing this beautiful green blouse with a suit. And let me just say, LAPD, man, those people dress up for training. What? Yeah. Can we talk people? about how pretty they are? Yeah. Like, the pretty people. And pretty in all kinds of senses, right? Yeah. So she said, she said she's really grappled with that to be something she's not, to be different. And the encouragement for her was don't compare yourself with other people. You mm-hmm. experience your own joy. Is what you're wearing, does it make you feel like a badass uh, woman able to, to do anything? Yes. 
Is it genuinely you? Yes. Is it professional in the environment? Yes. Then what's up? So the encouragement was you do you and don't compare yourself with the others. If it checks those boxes that we just talked about, then do it. Right. Right. Yeah, but think about how much feedback we get from people in our profession that say, I perhaps um, tried too hard to fit in, you know, into this environment, into what I thought I was supposed to be. And to me, that's the other major lesson that I have extrapolated throughout my 30-year career and where I went wrong were all those times that I lost myself because I was too busy uh, trying to fit in. And it's Brene Brown, the author and social scientist uh, that tells us that fitting in is about assessing a situation to become who you need to be in order to be accepted. Whereas whereas belonging, which is what we should strive for, belonging does not require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. And man, that is such a remedial lesson that I have had to revisit throughout my entire career. And why didn't we hear that before? Where was Brene Brown when we were little, little young authors? She, I'm going to talk to her when she comes on our podcast. I'm going to say, really, girl, come on. So listeners, rewind that. Go back and listen to that. Fitting in versus belonging. That Mm -hmm. has to be illuminated, highlighted, underscored. It has to be something that you consider in your leadership journey. Yeah. The distinction between fitting in and belonging. Yes. And you know what? It's not just for your career either. It's yep. it's at the end of your one wild and precious life, right? And there was an Ivy League study that has actually been going on for over 70 years. Bring up Ivy League. Oh. You know, I like to bring up the Ivy League data. And in this study, they have mm-hmm. interviewed those at the end of their lives, at the very end of their lives on their deathbed. And they ask them one question, what would you do differently? And we hear this all the time, right? You know, people would say, I wouldn't work as much and all of that. But this was the number one thing across the board. People said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. They said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. And so that is a challenge to everyone listening, our millions of listeners. At the end of your one wild and precious life, were you true to yourself and not uh, not to what others expected of you? But no, that's the problem. We all live into other people's expectations of us, right? personal life and professional life. And some of us have seen firsthand people that uh, become or they have the courage to then embrace who they truly are. Mm -hmm. And there's some fallout from that because Mm -hmm. they're speaking their truth, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, there are expectations of them by society, by the relationships that they have. And and really, we got to step up and be who we genuinely are. It liberates our soul in many ways, right? Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned at the onset, you know, one of my favorite quotes, and I I don't know who said it because I'd love to find out to give attribution, but you could be the ripest, juiciest apple 
and there will be someone who doesn't like apples and that's okay, but it speaks to that authenticity. But we're so busy trying to figure out why don't you like my apple? Why don't you like my supple apple? You know, and, and gosh, man, there's, there's going to be people that you don't care for. And, you know, this really kind of pivots into something that you and I talk about a, a lot because, um, we have a book that we share in common that I know that I use it as my spiritual Bible. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you probably don't even know this, Syl, but I put up on Instagram, um, the photo of you and I speaking on stage. And whenever you put something out into the social media world, you know, there's going to be someone who sits behind, you know, a keyboard and just says something terribly nasty. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it's it's interesting because when I was chief and, you know, I would put things out, you know, it's that I, it was my chief Facebook page. And and yeah. now that I'm out of policing, you know, I don't have to tolerate people coming, you know, and spewing garbage on my page. But someone said something, you know, horrible. And of course, it was, you know, under the guise of anonymity, you know, and said something to the effect of you and I, we haven't done anything, you know, and <laughs> and and I laughed, you know, because I. I naturally, but, but you know what? So, uh, so funny out of all of the comments, right? Like such kind comments that people come into, that's the one. And I'm thinking, and, and I start to get defensive where I wanted to say, well, maybe should we match our resumes? I start to get into this, like, you know, this, this, we're a defensive mode. And then I stop and I laugh and, and it's about, you know, someone sitting on the sidelines doing nothing of value. I'll, and I would bet that they wouldn't get up on a stage in front of 800 people. I don't even know who they are, but you know what I got to do? I got to delete and block. And do you know, like, that's it's like, I don't need you to come into my, into my stratosphere and spew yeah. your negativity. But I bring that story up. And like I told you, I hadn't even mentioned it to you because it, it, it took a little bit of my energy for a moment. And then I laughed. Right. But this <laughs> It's 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 a quote by Yogi. Is it Bahan? I I don't know how to say the last name. If you are willing to look at another person's behavior towards you as a reflection of the state of their relationship with themselves, rather than a statement about your value as a person, then you will, over a period of time, cease to react at all. And I'll tell you. I had a moment in there where I forgot this. Uh, this is what what I've, I've I've been practicing, and there was a moment where I was like, "Come at me, come at me, bro," and and then I I remembered this. But what a reminder! His mom's basement. Put on <laughs> totally. Put yeah. on trousers. Yeah, totally. You know, but the but the book that we share on our spiritual guide, which is I, I say spiritual, not in a religious way, but the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And, is is oh, Go, go, girl. No, what's the, what is the thing? What is the thing? Don't that, take things personally. Be impeccable with your word. Yep. Don't huh? make assumptions. Assumptions and do your best every day. Always do your best. Those four agreements. So if you have not picked up this book, you know what's so interesting about uh, this book is that when the student is ready, the master appears. And I can read this book and... um maybe don't take anything personally will resonate with me at that time. I can read it again three months later and always do your best resonates with me because maybe I'm falling short, right? You know, I'm not challenging myself. And then we have a moment and all of a sudden you pick it up and you go, oh, wait, I need to be impeccable with my word. Not mm. just in terms of my values on full display for people, but be precise with the words that I choose, right? Yeah. Yes. And just that, you know, we mentioned this when we were on stage is three, that words should come out of three gates, should pass three gates, right? Is it true? Is it, is it true? Kind? Is it kind? And the third one, 
Is it necessary? Right. So whoever that was that decided to fire off a shitty comment, you know, for first of all, is it true? Hell no. We are all that and a bag of chips. Is it kind? Absolutely not. (laughs) And to come on my Instagram feed and insult us, you know, it's, but, but again, it's Uh, that moment. It's like, I'll ignore all of the wonderful things, you know, that people are uplifting and empowering. And we share that, you know, in, in our stratospheres and try to, you know, mimic that energy back and forth and give to one another and, and truly uplift people, not knock them down. Right. And, you know, instead I hovered over that comment and got mad until I came right back to what I know is true is that this has nothing to do with me that comment it has everything to do with them don't take anything personally right and it takes us back a few minutes too look it's this that comment is about that person's struggle with themselves you take it back and you say okay the courage your harvard study or pardon me i gave attribution to harvard it's ivy league as a broader league of incredibly i said ivy league because i genuinely can't remember who (laughs) conducted the study super smarty farty people yes Mm -hmm. and they said what at the end of your life to be authentically you so it takes courage to be authentically you And those of us that are on the periphery of someone that has that courage, there's a sting and a bite that I don't anymore work for you, you know, work in terms of like, I don't do it for you, or you have found something different, or you, this is about your struggle with yourself. You want to be authentically you. There's some stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. I think in the same way that someone comes up and says, look, this is no longer me. My struggle, my authentic self is different than you imagined. And for the receiver of that to feel like there's been a bait and switch perhaps is real, but we're not victims in it, right? Kind of tying all this stuff together. And then once we get to a place where we can use your yogi and our yogi, because we found him, right? His statement about this is about your struggle with yourself, not about me. I cease to care at all. And then I release that person or we release that person to go find themselves to do their thing. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Never mind. Yeah, I thought you were going down another road there, another road. But you know what? It's like ickle ball. (laughs) No. Okay, good. Now I'm intrigued. So you no, you said something that that to really draw out of it as well. And you know, you say this all the time. And I think about risk. The reason that people don't put themselves out there and take risks yeah. are because they are afraid. And I'll tell you what. It's a real fear. They're afraid of that ridicule, of that judgment. You know, we live with every single one of us. I've talked to men and women who have this imposter syndrome. And when that troll wrote that comment that we've done nothing in our careers, I, for for a small moment, you know, I I remember thinking, oh my God, are they right? You know, and then I question. And, but what that can do is it can paralyze you. So you don't put the thing out. You don't put your thought out. You don't put your idea out into the world. You don't stand on the stage and deliver a keynote presentation because you're afraid that some people might not like it. And unless you you can take 
the, the risk to put yourself out there, you will not be more of yourself. And when you yeah. start to, to take those risks, you become more of you. And so you cannot get to that courage without walking through vulnerability. And yeah. I think vulnerability is key. Yep. And you, you have to be able to withstand the a, a lot of the trolls that are going to sit on the sidelines and they're not in the arena with us. They're not standing on stage. They're not, you know, having the nervous stomach before we walk out on stage. And, you know, they're not doing anything of value themselves, you know? And so it's just such an important thing is like, you know, there's the quote about what is it? So I think, you know, it is about whether if you don't do anything, you know, if you don't want to be criticized, don't do anything. I'm paraphrasing. Don't, do don't say anything. Don't be anything. That's right. Yeah. You say that all the time. And that is empowering to hear that is there's going to be people on the sidelines that spew hate and, you know, that are going to troll you, but you still have to get out there and do the thing. You have to. Absolutely. So what do you think, Kristen, about us highlighting the key points that we talked about for our listeners? And then we're going to wrap this, this one up. And then we're going to, in our next episode, we talk about mentors and tormentors. What do you think? Mm, yeah. And then our listeners mentors. know that's coming. And then we'll introduce our secret guest. So what do you think about highlighting the things that we talked about here? Um, the belonging versus? Versus fitting in, right? Ooh. Strive to belong, everybody. Strive to belong. It's You should never have to give up who you are or pretend to be someone else in order to fit in. Yep. We, uh, we talked about that. We also, of course, brought in Victor Frankl. Between stimulus and response lies choice. That's really where our freedom lies. And we talked, uh, we talked about um, victim, the victimology when things, bad things happen. Mm-hmm. We have this, there's a natural tendency to feel like a victim, like this happened to me. Maybe this happened to then launch you. So how do we address how we naturally feel when something bad happens? And sure, there are legitimate victims. We're not saying that. In this leadership space, what we're saying is let's examine what comes up, let's explore that stimulus, and then let's respond in a way that then moves us forward. For sure. There's going to be things that happen to you and they may, in the, in the words of my 10 year old self, it's, it just may not be fair, right? Sometimes, sometimes things, it's just not fair. And yet if you sit in that and you think about the inequities, you're going to stay there. You're going to stay paralyzed. And I visualize, I have this visualization of, of learned helplessness. And that is, it's a brick wall and it's put right in front of me in my path. And that visualization helps me because I think, okay, you know what we can do is sometimes that learned helplessness, we forget that we can walk around the damn wall, right? And if we can't walk around it, then we can climb the wall. And that's where we turn to our tribe, right? And, you know, that was the Thelma and Louise moment is that when when I'm standing in front of a wall and I'm not sure how to get over that wall, I'm going to reach out to you because, you know, a lot of times you're my co-pilot. You're right there, you know, in in the in this, the the car with me. Yeah. And you can help me up that wall or what did somebody say you're gonna walk through hell walk through like you own the place i'm like come on casey let's let's go go through this wall let's go around let's dig under let's go over hell hell yeah ben horowitz said you're gonna eat shit don't nibble (laughs) eat the entire sandwich yeah let's bite and get through this thing 
right? Yeah. But I just want to, I really want to emphasize that you don't have to do it alone. There are so many people willing to help you to get over that wall. And I think that's where, you know, that vulnerability comes in to look at our people and say, Hey, I need some help here. Help boost me up. So, you know, I think that's the biggest takeaway, you know, and, and takeaway for me and you in, in our careers. And I think so many people can learn from some of our failures in these very topics. And hey, LAPD Women's Association, thank you for having us. We had a total blast. You are incredible people advancing policing and doing the real work, doing the work on behalf of policing and on behalf of our communities. We are better because of your efforts. Thanks for giving us the stage. And when I looked over and saw that, KZ, I felt just uh, empowered, grounded, humble, humbled, but empowered and inspired to continue doing the work on your behalf. So that's it for me for this episode of The Hollow Bunny. You want to wrap this thing up, Miss KZ? I do. What a gift to be able to share our experiences with such amazing women who are out there doing the work. So keep doing what you're doing, everyone. Sprinkling of dudes. Don't forget the sprinkle. That's right. Yep. Amazing dudes. So thank you so much for visiting. If you like this podcast, please hit subscribe and follow. If you don't, just move along. There's nothing more to see here. This podcast was produced by Ted Madden, and the song you're about to hear is written and performed exclusively for our Hollow Bunny podcast by my handsome and talented son, Jake Zeman, and his accomplished friends, Fabian and Zoe. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. When you look inside, what do you find? Are you content to fall behind? When you lose your way and you've lost your why? Have courage and get ready to fight the hollow buddy. the hollow buddy and we all feel hollow sometimes but the lobsters are only in your mind it's a tough pill to swallow but if you're brave and kind you'll be
something's gonna crack, you've gotta start again. We all it out to find everything. Something's gonna crack, you gotta start again. The hollow monster.